listeners, October is still here. Hence why we are continuing the horror theme with this week's guest, Fiddlesticks Winterbottom Third. Yep, that's his real fucking name. Don't question it. And uh, he's a longtime listener and fan of the Jock and Nerd podcast. He is the creator of the Chamber of Chills private Facebook group, which is a Facebook group for horror movie fans. And on this episode, we talk all about the late 1970s, early 80s slasher film uh, genre. We get real deep into that. Uh, we talk about the golden age of slasher films from 1978 to 1984. Don't quote me on that. We'll find out more in the in the uh, actual recording of the podcast of what those dates are. Definitely wanted to uh, dive into that because, again, Halloween-themed October. And now you're going to check it out. This is the Jock Spin-Off Show. It's uh, nice to have you on, Fiddlesticks. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Frequent, frequent, frequent contributor to the Jock and Nerd Nation. Yeah, and uh, I don't know when you're going to air this, but uh, it's probably going to be pretty close to the uh, 300th episode, so congratulations on... Uh, hey, thanks, man. Yeah, this will go out, so we're recording this for anyone that's listening. We're recording this on October 19th, Saturday. It'll go out sometime next week, so... Yeah, so it'll be pretty close then, which is Yeah, it'll be close. Yeah, to our little 300th anniversary. Who would have known that uh, yeah, some, a lot of some idiots would have... A lot of podcasts don't make it through uh, seven, eight episodes. Yeah, it's yeah. Quite a do milestone. You, do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, yeah I've noticed being in the, uh, in the podcasting business now that the, a lot of people eventually just get tired of doing it and stop. Yeah, some of the things I would listen to... Uh, you know, you really start getting into them, and then they just kind of just they fade away. Start doing the uh, episodes more periodically, and then just eventually yeah. stop. And that's the that's the thing I've noticed about doing our show is that y- you just got to be consistent to make it like a habit. Because if you don't, I've noticed that too, where a, a decent podcast will start, like some startup podcast will start up, and uh, they'll go, they'll be consistent for like maybe two months, and then you see an episode come out two months later, and then another couple two months later, and then it just fades away. Right, I know that's one thing about uh, Jock and Nerd too. Is it's like every week there's something there. Every Sometimes week, more than just a you know one week show. You get all the other content in there, and it's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. The week there goes into that. I'm sure it's all uh, it's all M Run. I don't do any of it. I just sit here and record and have talk for a little bit. So I, I have the easy part, and M Run has the hard part. So I don't know. He does that, and then works a full time job too. Yeah, yeah. He does. He does. He's crazy, man. But let's not. Uh, I don't want to focus on Imran. He kind of sucks. So okay. we're gonna st- it's me and you. All right. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to have you on. First off, we just gotta we gotta we gotta knock this out right away. Why did your parents name you Fiddlesticks Winter Bottom the Third? Ah, uh, it's just you know, <laughs> named after my father. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So how did he come up with? How'd you come up with Fiddlesticks? Um. I'm not even sure it, uh, it originated. Uh, I think somebody just said, Hey, fiddlesticks to me. And it just kind of stuck with me. And you liked it. Yeah. But I, it wasn't even something I was using for years. So it was mm-hmm. just something that's, uh, you know, in the background. And, um, so I was using that and I was actually, uh, fiddlesticks wrinkle bottom. 
Oh, geez. But, uh, I was on another podcast. Uh, and they were talking about me, and they uh, misread it, and they read it as Winterbottom. And I kind of like that. The frozen tundra of fiddlesticks Winterbottom. There you go. Yeah. Well, it works. I mean, it's a, certainly a distinguished, uh, distinctive name. Um, it, it just but, seems like something that would fit for Wisconsin as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the reason I wanted to have, me and Fiddlesticks have been talking about doing this show for a bit now, but we wanted to wait till October um, because it would only make sense to do a show about horror movies in October. You wouldn't want to do that in the summer. That's kind of stupid. That's, I, I, don't, I don't understand why they release horror movies in like any other time but October, by the way, just for what it's worth, unless they're like themed around um, holidays. But um, yeah, I wanted so Fiddlesticks created his own little group called the Chamber of Chills, which is a private group. Which, if you're a fan of horror movies, you should definitely join that because Fiddlesticks posts content literally every day, all the time, <laughs> and he knows his shit. So um, Fiddlesticks, I know you had like prepared some stuff for me in terms of what we were going to talk about. Um, I know that in my fandom of horror movies and it's not it's really not all that extensive but i've always been like curious mm-hmm. and i've always liked the um like the slasher film kind of thing right. i've always that's the thing i like not necessarily gravitate toward but that was the thing that kind of pulled me in a little bit just because of like the horror icons like jason and michael michael mm-hmm. myers and uh freddy krueger and they're, they're all from the slasher genre um but you know when did this all start when was the the slasher genre. Um, when did that all start? And kind of just talk me through some of this. Well, uh, the official start, I, I would say, is with Halloween. Halloween? Maybe Halloween in 1978. Is Psycho considered an unofficial start, too, or no? Uh, I don't really consider it a slasher. Um, no. For me, the first slasher was that. Uh, there was a movie in Canada, Black Christmas. Yeah. And that came out in 1974. And it had all the elements of a slasher. And it was an influence on John Carpenter and for Halloween. I mean, if you watch Black Christmas and then watch Halloween, you'll see a lot of kind of similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of see how he was influenced by that. But I'm just going to start it, you know, in the golden age, I'm going to start it with Halloween because Black Christmas, it really wasn't a breakout hit. So it wasn't very influential. Why did, why did Black Christmas... Not be the the breakout hit that was that be, Halloween was. Yeah, just, just wasn't the right timing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, it was a, a smaller film. I don't think it had a wide distribution. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's just part of it. Mm. I mean, it certainly wasn't uh, as big of a movie as Halloween. No, not at all. No one, no one talks really about Black Christmas. Right. So I figured I would just kind of start it with Halloween. I've got a good thirty-five, forty movies we can talk about. Oh, absolutely. That are the cream of the crop for slashers. Yeah. I would say in the 80s, there was probably about 200, 250 slasher movies made. Were they? So was it like when Halloween came out, they were like, oh, this is the struck gold. Let's see if we can replicate this over and over and over. Pretty much. Um, Halloween came out um, in uh, October and November of 78. Mm-hmm. So. And it, it it took a time. It took time actually for it to become a, a hit. Really, um, it wasn't yeah. a hit right when it first came out. No, and in uh, once they finished the movie, it was a very low budget movie. They uh, filmed it for about three hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it was um, Jamie Lee Curtis. They picked her. Um, 
it was her film debut, and she made maybe eight thousand dollars for it. Which isn't very much. <laughs> no, and uh, it's almost like paranormal entity, uh, paranormal activity. You know, that similar kind of low budget. Uh, that kind of feel, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick Castle, he played Mike Myers, the mask Mike Myers. Whenever you'd see Mike Myers with the mask, it was uh, played by Nick Castle. Mm-hmm. He was working for $25 a day. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I mean, they didn't have a budget. And John Carpenter, he only had taken, um, uh, what was it? I think he, uh, $10,000, I think, for directing, writing, and scoring the, the, the film, the music yeah, film. Yeah. It had no budget but, whatsoever, it looks no, like. but he was smart enough where, in you know, lieu of the low payment, he took 10% of the profits. Oh, there you go. And so he, um, he was able to cash in. Well, initially, too, with the initial run, it made $70 million. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. and this you, was on a $300,000 budget. You know what? I, I, remember, I remember seeing that film as a kid um, and then revisiting it again as an adult. The thing that makes that movie is, is just the the way he shoots it and the the the, the sense and the feel of it you know mm-hmm. it's the acting is awful <laughs> yeah. some of it some of the lines are really bad but it's like the way he was able to shoot that the mood he was able to set like right. it wasn't the over the top bloody goriness that you come to expect from the slasher films oh, was, the boogeyman stays in the shadows right much. right right yeah. you didn't really know like what the deal was with Mike Myers at the time like now we they've kind of demystified him a lot but at the time it was like what the fuck? This is evil incarnate. Like, what, who is this guy? Like, why right. is he doing this? You have no, right. you have no rhyme or reason for anything. Yeah, they kind of spoil it later on when they actually, you know, kind of made them related and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. all that, all yeah, that we, stuff sucked. Because originally it was just, you know, basically a, it was just a random thing. He escaped from the sanitarium and came he home was on a killing spree. Right, box of babysitter and her friends. Right, right, right. Did you? Was that one of your? all-time favorite horror movies yeah it's up there I yeah. mean, it's i mean this is a great movie not just a horror movie but just a great movie period right uh, i mean it would, I, I would rank it pretty high and as far as the slasher genre it's you know in the top five nice nice top well, three maybe was um since we're on halloween what would you think of halloween 2 oh that the sequel yeah we're kind of jumping ahead but uh it's pretty much just a continuation of it right um, they upped the gore in that. And, yeah, they did. <laughs> but uh, the reason they did that, because after Friday the 13th had come out, that's what uh, everyone was expecting. Fans wanted. So yeah. this wouldn't really fly if they did a relatively bloodless um, sequel. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the second one. Did you? I mean, you literally, it, it's literally like a two-part film because it just picks up right where the first one left off. Pretty much. Yeah. And they introduced a new uh, location, too, with the hospital. Hospital, right. So there right. was uh, a few hospital slashers after that. The um, the kill where he, uh, he he drowns the girl in the scalding hot water, I'm like, that's fucking brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. The way they like shot with her like face falling off. How, how many slashes did you see? How many have I seen? Yeah. Not very many. I mean, I've seen like some of the Halloweens, some of the Friday the 13th, some of the... Um, the uh, what you call it, Nightmare on Elm Street's um, Child's Play, okay. and then I've done a lot of. I'm I'm a big fan of the Kill Count on YouTube. Okay, I have so kill I, I have Kill Counts for all my movies in here for you. Oh no, kidding! <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, and I broke ahead. it out too, male and female. Oh geez, because a lot of people um, 
and I don't know what you would think, but they have this misconception that, that it's women. Right? Are very, yeah, that right. it's all women, that it's very, uh, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Sexist. <laughs> yeah, I guess that uh, misogynistic, <laughs> misogynistic. There you go. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the numbers, okay, the, the, the movies I'm covering in yeah, let, let me 19, you take 19, take it away. You take it away. 1978 to 1984, there was roughly 175 slasher movies. Holy made, shit! And yeah, <laughs> out of the 175, there was a uh, thousand forty six on screen kills. A thousand forty. Five hundred and fifty eight were male. Four hundred and eighty eight were female. So it's actually you know worse to be a male in those movies than a female. <laughs> so I how did you work. do? How did you get the stats I, on this? I found that online. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and for the movies, I figured, well, I'm going to carry that through and, and break it out. And yeah. Okay. Kinda, we'll kind of see how many are male and female. See how that plays out. And, and uh, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. It is interesting because I I definitely would have on the surface been like, yeah, these movies definitely. They just hate women, so they just fucking kill them all. <laughs> yeah, and that's what a lot of like reviewers and things like that were saying in the, the 80s. I mean, now these movies kind of seem quaint. You know, they're a bit cheesy, but it kind of yeah. adds to the fun of the movies. Right. But back then, they were like public enemy number one. You know, uh, slasher movies and heavy metal music was contributing to the downfall of America and, can, you know, the corruption of youth and what have you. You're absolutely right, though. When you look back on the, because I'll, I'll look back and you can easily find the kills on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'll look back on them and go, "Man, we were really like, people were upset about this. This is so cheesy." <laughs> yeah. Now the movies are. What you'll see for a rated R movie is a lot worse than this. Yeah, way worse. And after Friday the Thirteenth, the uh, MPAA really cracked down. So there were a lot of uh, movies that really had to get trimmed. A lot of the gore was trimmed off. Oh really? Yeah, I, I remember. Get, see, I remember hearing that too. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have been rated X. And if you get a rated X back then, instead of playing it maybe twelve hundred movie theaters, you'd probably be reduced to playing fifty or sixty porno theaters. Oh God! Yeah, that, so that's, you, that's basically they, kills the film. Exactly. Yeah. And there were some movies that went out with uh, unrated uh, really? ratings. Yeah. But again, it really limits the distribution. So. They were surprisingly that they still made quite a bit of money with limited distributions. Have you seen all the films that you're referring to in this? And when in what we're talking about, the ones I'm referring to, yeah, okay. I've seen them all. And most of these I've seen, I've seen in the theater when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. So, <laughs> so for me, um, you know, seeing it at twelve, thirteen, I don't know. I, I think I view it a little different than somebody that maybe sees it as an adult. There's that nostalgic factor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my yeah, my grandmother of all people would bring me and my cousin to see these movies. Did you guys have the interest, or did your grandmother just be like, "Hey, I'm taking you guys"? Uh, I'm thinking it was us. <laughs> so even <laughs> before the slashers in the '80s, I we were going to movies in the, the late '70s. So we were seeing a lot of sci-fi things, Alien, and and that sort of stuff. And so we'd seen other horror movies. Alien's kind of a slasher film too. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Um, so, and this was a hot thing, especially in, uh, there's a lot of movies I have in here in 1981. I, we'd seen all of those in the theater. And uh, so I have a lot of fine memories. There's a lot of boobage in these movies. So That's fine. My fun. grandmother would sit in the middle between us and my cousin. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that nobody was really concerned about the violence, but if there's a boob flashing on the screen, her hands would be going on our eyes. <laughs> I don't know if you can imagine that. We're sitting there and you got two arms stretched you know, out. 
stretched out, <laughs> locking our eyes. And of course, we're squirming, so we're seeing some things. But it's just amazing that you know that's the concern, but not right, the not the violence, right? Yeah. Let's take. Let's yeah. Let's uh, block your eyes from things you'll probably see later on in life, but mm-hmm. violence. Oh, you're good. It's mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. And that's that's really the perfect age to be seeing that too. <laughs> it really is, right? Yeah. So. Because it's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a little taboo, but it's not like you're not doing anything too. You're not doing anything too bad, but it still yeah. feels like you're doing something a little mm-hmm. wrong watching the movies. Yeah. So what's okay. the uh, what what where are the where are some of the films you got on the list? Oh, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. So how how would um how would you define a slasher? Like when you think slasher, like how 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 would you define that? Oh, definitely. So the all the tropes, right? So you have some sort of stalker killer, okay, and people are going picked off one by one in some sort of brutal fashion each time. Um, and sometimes there's a mystery around who the killer is or why they're doing it or something like that. Um, a lot of slasher films I've noticed are based around some sort of theme, right? Mm-hmm. Either either a, a holiday or maybe the killer has a theme, some sort of weapon he likes to use or something right. like that. Right. Right. A lot of times there's like a past event that right. happened to the killer and, you know, years later he's looking for revenge. Some sort of traumatic event. And a lot of mm-hmm. times it's uh, the the the... The tropes are, you know, the people that are doing bad things are the ones that get picked off. So the ones that are having sex mm-hmm. or just bad people. Um, well, originally, that that came from Halloween, right? Trope, right? But John Carpenter said that really wasn't his intention. He wasn't trying to demonize sex or anything like that. It just uh, it's just how it was interpreted. Mm-hmm. He kind of thought that when young kids are thinking to crack it by, about sex, they're more carefree and they're less careful mm-hmm. about what's going on around them. That's true. That's why they were killed off. Well, Not, he wasn't trying to make any kind of moral statement or anything like that. But then it just yeah. kind of stuck, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the thing. And then a lot of stupid decision-making, right? So people do yeah. a lot of stu- dumb stuff to get themselves in a situation where they're, mm-hmm. they're, there's obviously a killer and, they're, and they're, they're putting themselves in a situation where they're going to get killed. Yeah. yeah that, that'd be mine. What, what do you, what, what do, how would you define it? Uh, that, that's pretty much it. You pretty much have it. And, and for me... Um, most of these slashers have a final girl. Yeah, usually, like usually 20, some sort of like of the film where you've some got sort this. of virgin girl, right? Mm-hmm. Or an innocent girl. Mm-hmm. So there's one on the list too that actually has a final boy rather than the girl. They kind of switched it up. That that's strange. It's usually always the girl. Yeah, so they're trying <laughs> to be different. Yeah, I think part of the appeal for me too is the whole uh, game of cat and mouse between yeah. the killer and the final girl. Right. It kind of keeps you suspense. There's a lot of kind of jump scares. Well, then, and that, and the, also the appeal of that, I mean, obviously, a man versus a man isn't as terrifying as a man stalking a woman, right? Like, a woman physically isn't going to have as much... She she might not be able to hold her own, so that's scary. Um, I, I, I do like the... I also kind of like, like, at the end, sometimes, you know, how, how they come up with how the girl's going to beat the killer, right? Like, how, mm-hmm. how she's going to either kill him or defeat him or something. Right. Uh, I, I I like the creativity in that. So, yeah, that's enough. That very creative. The kills are creative, and uh, they're just very very creative movies. I think it's mm-hmm. part of the fun. Mm-hmm. So and, and of course, as they went on, they had to keep up, upping the uh, the craziness of the kills. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I saw some of the um the kill counts on like halloween and friday the 13th and towards the like middle and end there was like these kill these kills are getting crazier and crazier yeah halloween didn't have too many there were five altogether 
right, right. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm mm-hmm. like saying the the films in the in the future. Oh yeah, yeah. Halloween, the first Halloween, the kills weren't all, and none of them were creative. No, it's it all just pretty st- standard. Uh, how you would kill someone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that might make it actually scarier. I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because ta- they, they, once once the kills get a little too like zany, it kind of takes the the realness out of the movie. Right, and a lot of the earlier ones are more real. Yeah, and as it went on, you started headed like supernatural, supernatural elements added to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise that just kept getting kind of crazier. Right, after right, the first right. one, and I still enjoy them a lot, but they're not as realistic. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of watching it for a different reason. It's more. Almost uh, comedy, right? Yeah, the, especially with uh, Freddy's jokes throughout the film, or mm-hmm. his little line, his little his dark hop, hop humor. The first one is pretty terrifying. Yeah, when he's fucking dragging the girl over all around the ce- the ceiling or whatever, mm-hmm. that's fucking insane. So I get a story about that, but we'll save it to the end because that's one of the last ones. Okay. So about the uh, origin of that. Mm-hmm. Um. As we talked about Halloween, and I was going to say that Dr. Loomis was played by um, uh, Donald Pleasance, mm-hmm. and they he had the biggest salary of uh, the bunch for twenty thousand. He was uh, he was the biggest name, right? Right, right. Did you know um, they offered it originally to you know who Peter Cushing is? I do. Latvia and uh, Christopher Lee. No kidding. They they were both offered it, but they turned it down because of the low salary. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, Later on, Christopher Lee had told Carpenter it was probably the biggest uh, mistake in his career that he made. <laughs> turning that down. I mean, Donald Pleasance became almost as uh, indoctrinated in that franchise as Mike Myers. Right. You know? Well, until he died. I don't know if I can imagine Peter Cushing or Christopher Lee playing the role. No, Donald yeah. Pleasance killed that. Yeah. But that might be a fun fact you yeah. didn't know. No, I didn't. So, you know about the mask? I know it's the origin the, of the mask. It's uh, William Shatner, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people don't know that they uh, they picked it up from the store and cut out the eyes and dyed it white or mm-hmm. painted it white, right? Ooh, so you know your stuff. Yeah, yeah, man. Halloween at least. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about the other stuff. Well, yeah, it, it's not really obscure. A lot of the things I have on here were pretty big hits. Um, maybe a couple of obscure things, but they're. You know, I think they're the best of the bunch. They're okay. things I really like. Go ahead. So, yeah, well, we'll move on to 1979. Okay. And uh, there really weren't too many slashers in 79 because after Halloween hit it big, you know, a lot of companies kind of just rushed into trying to produce these, but it takes time to, you know, cast and film and whatnot. So a lot mm-hmm. of them didn't hit the theaters until 1980. But a couple of decent ones. There was one called Tourist Trap. Tourist Trap. I mean, I'm Wikipediaing this one right now. Okay. First trap. First trap. The film. Okay. So weird looking and, uh, cover right here. What's that? Weird looking cover. This guy looks like he's Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, it's a museum full of uh, mannequins. Oh, okay. And the killers amongst the mannequins. I don't really want to spoil these. Yeah. For people that haven't seen it. I know you haven't seen it, so I think with some of these, I'm just going to kind of build it up with the beginnings. Mm-hmm. Or just give you a general plot. Go ahead. And we'll kind of talk about it. But, uh, yeah, the star of the movie is uh, Chuck Connors. I don't know if you have heard of the, rifle, the Rifleman. No, so I haven't heard of it. It was a long-running TV show. So he was a pretty well-known star playing a creepy role. Uh-huh. And it also had uh, Tanya Roberts. Tanya Roberts. Yeah. girl. 
You okay. Google the stuff from Judah Kill. And then uh, she was Midge on the 70s show. <laughs> no and, kidding. In Charlie's Angels. Huh. So there was a lot of uh, celebs in these movies that were, uh, they either got their start in the slasher films or it was, you know, one of their very early films before they became famous. No kidding. So I don't know if you want to talk about that now or later. Well, oh, whatever. Well, you're, it's your, your show, buddy. Uh, we'll, we'll save it for later, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is a pretty good one. Uh, good kills? Of, yeah. It, it, it's just, uh, it's really creepy with the mannequins. Mm-hmm. And the ending's pretty pretty strange. Yeah. So they, they remade this with uh, House of Wax with uh, um, Paris Hilton. Oh, is that the, is House of Wax is Tourist Trap? Pretty much. They they named it after the Vincent Price film, but the film kind of follows this. Got it. Plot. So it kind of gives you an idea, but um, a low-budget film. They actually gave it a PG rating. What the? Really? Yeah. Why? Is there, is there just not a lot of blood? No, it's pretty violent, but for some reason they gave it a PG rating. I think they were more lax then, and so it didn't really... Uh, it really didn't become a big hoopla until the eighties, like nineteen eighty. Hmm, you know, once okay. uh, once Reagan was elected, you know, he had this new conservatism in America. And then at you know, the end of nineteen eighty when John Lennon was killed, that uh really upset a lot of people, you know, like anti gun, anti violence mm. protests and things, and they just felt these movies were really playing into a lot of that. Mm. So but but before that it didn't really seem to be an issue. Where would you rate tourist trap? This is like an underrated gem. Yeah. I'd probably, yeah. I'd, as far as um, slashers go, I'd probably give it a seven, seven and a half. Hmm. All right. Rating. Okay. And now, Halloween, just to kind of. Yeah, it's a sort of standard. Yeah. I, that'd be a nine, nine and a half as far as slashers go. Okay. I just, I kind of stay away from tens. Yeah. Well, okay. nothing's perfect. Right. So right. that's, you know, pretty much the top. Okay. This just has a very creepy atmosphere. It's a very creepy film. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's filmed in 24 days. And the budget was like 800000 Jeez. They they, uh, they did turn these around pretty quick, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's why they, they were like churning them out when the peak, like in 1981, there was one coming out at least once a month. <laughs> and, I, and I'm just sticking to North American films, the ones that came out in America. And there were a few produced in Canada. They were doing these movies overseas as well. I mean, even South Africa had a slasher film. Really? Yeah. I didn't Is see it? it myself, but I mean, they were just... It was just all the craze, huh? Mm-hmm. It's like today's uh, MCU almost. <laughs> it's up there. It's up MCU is so much more uh, involved in terms of the budget. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what they turned out with such low budgets, and like I said, 800000 that's uh, relatively high compared to some of the movies that came out. Right, right. So, have you ever heard of uh, When a Stranger Calls? I have. That one I've heard of. Have you seen that it? one? I've seen parts of it. That one's a creepy fucking movie. Yeah. The, the, like the opening 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. that's probably one of the scariest openings in any movie, I think. It, it's the, the, the random fucking dude calling them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, a fucking be, good film from what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, they um, it's part, partially influenced again by Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then there's a urban legend from the '60s about the babysitter and the man upstairs, mm-hmm. which has the the man calling the babysitter on the telephone, you know, check on the children, check on the children, which was pretty much the beginning of the 
this film. <laughs> oh, because in Black Christmas there was a there was a phone call scene, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in Scream, you, you see the Scream franchise at yep. all? Oh yeah. So at the beginning of Scream is kind of an homage to this one. This film. right, 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 right. When, with, uh, uh, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Phone. Yeah. So this is a good one to check out too. It was had a pretty small. Kill count. I think it was just like two kids killed off screen. Really? That's it? And, mm-hmm. It wasn't really a, a kill count movie. It was more suspenseful. It was just the, it was the cat and mouse game more so, right? Of the right. dude being in the fucking house. Right. Yeah. So there was a remake too. Well, there was a sequel TV movie made in um, the 90s, I think, when A Stranger mm-hmm. Calls Back. Mm-hmm. And then they remade the movie in 2006. I feel like a lot of these films got remade in like the mid-2000s. I think most of them have. Yeah, a lot of them aren't as good as the original. Some are right. actually pretty decent. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Have you seen any of the remakes? I mean, some of the like the hollow. I've seen hollow. Obviously, Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. I don't know if I've seen any. Well, well, we'll get to some of your films, but I don't. I don't think I've seen any of the remakes. Okay, I don't know why they just don't put out the the original movies and why they feel they have to remake it. I Money, mean, that bro. Way, there's there's no production budget. Right. They already have the movies that been made. So, I, feel, I feel like they think they can do it better, but they actually make it some a lot of times worse. Pretty much. Or uh, sometimes, I think you were talking about this on another show, like with the uh, Psycho remake. Yeah. It was pretty much just paint by numbers. Shot, yeah, it was shot by shot. Shot remake. by shot, just like the original. So it's really, I mean, it wasn't a bad movie, but what's the purpose? Right. You know, exactly. I mean, I'd, I'd prefer to watch the original to that. It just seems, and I think it is because a lot of young kids don't want to watch black and white movies. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably so, why. Which is kind of crazy, right? I mean, I, I really like a lot of black and white films. I think I think they think also that a lot of kids just with they don't wouldn't they wouldn't go out of their way to seek these films, nor would they like for some reason they think they wouldn't appreciate this the look of it being in the eighties or the seventies or something like that. Yeah, that's one weird thing with the slashers. It's like once you get used to the uh, the way they're dressed and some of the language and things like that, it's a little dated. Mm, yeah. But like for me, for it's nostalgia, so there's a big nostalgia factor, right? Because you grew up at that time. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it doesn't doesn't really bother me. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's kind of funny when you look back and you see what some of these people are wearing, and you're like, "Oh, I had that outfit." <laughs> I, I can't say the same. I was born in '87, so yeah. But you probably watching these '90 movies from the '90s. Oh yeah, the '90s. The I'm like, yep, same. yep, same thing. Like, wow, we were wearing that stuff. That's funny. Yeah, so it's the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, when a stranger calls, it had a small budget too, a million and a half. Bigger like, though than the other ones. Yeah, but it grossed uh, twenty-one and a half million. Holy crap! So you could start to see why these movies were popular, right? At least with the uh, film companies, because they were just making cash hand over fist. Yeah, the ROI is just tremendous. Mm-hmm. A couple other movies, and uh, not really going to talk about them too much because they're not really that good. Mm-hmm. Seventy-nine. What kind of interesting though is a uh, driller killer. And the I haven't Hollywood heard of that. Strangler meets the Skid Row Slasher. I actually just seen that one recently. They're pretty. They're really low budget. I don't know what the budgets were, but they almost look like people's home movies. What what movie is this one? Hollywood Strangler meets the Skid Row Slasher. <laughs> That's quite a fucking title. Yeah, they're murdering bums. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but uh, because I really wouldn't recommend it unless you're really into the genre. Okay, and you you've seen all the others and just kind of want to see. Some of these other things, right, right, right. But uh, for me, those are the two big ones from '79. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know we roll into 1980, and that's where really everything changed from Friday the 13th. 
Once that came out, the floodgates opened. The thing about Friday the 13th is that everyone expects to see Jay. Like, if you had, you're not aware when you know you weren't around at that time, everyone mm-hmm. expects it to be a Jason film, and it's not. Mm-hmm. So, do you think enough people seen it where we can? Yeah, we can definitely spoil talk about that. I mean, we we could spoil any of these if you want, but we could definitely spoil Friday the 13th. Okay. Yeah, you don't expect it to be the mom. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, especially knowing now what we know about the franchise, it's like, oh wait, he got he's not walking around with the hockey mask in this film. It's like no, no, no. He didn't even get the ho- hockey mask until like the third film. Right. The second one, he wears the 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 burlap bag or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is a really good movie. You like this one? Uh, yeah, this is probably one of my favorite franchises out of the slashers. Um. But you like the, like you liked the first one, yeah. Yeah. Why you, you didn't? Uh, no. I mean, a lot of people don't talk about the first one as being like the best one, just because none of the none of the tropes that uh, everyone associates with Jason are in it. Okay. Yeah, I, I like this one. I, the fourth one's probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is a well done movie. It's Did you bad. see this one in the theater? Yep. Did you pick up on the fact that it was the mom? Ah. Uh, or were you like, what the hell's going on? Is it the kid? I don't really remember. Yeah. Because I was probably, uh, I would have been 11, maybe. Okay. So, would have been pretty young. Some of the kills but, are pretty creative for a, a old woman to be doing. Yeah. Tom, <laughs> do you know who uh, Tom Savini is? I've heard the name. Special effects guy. He's really well known. Really. Uh, oh, he's a good horror. A yeah, horror. Special effects. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did the effects in this. Mm-hmm. So that really ups it as well. Um, it was pretty gory. I'm surprised they let this through because I know once this came out, there was a lot of hoopla about it, and MPAA after this really started cracking down on the films. And you yeah. watch it now, I don't really think it was really that gory. You had the scene with Kevin Bacon. Which one's the one where he died? How does he die again? You got the um, you get the arrow through the throat, through the yeah yeah trachea or whatever it was. Yeah. I don't know if it was the kind of yeah I think it was like the trachea or the upper chest, right? Yeah, when you look back, though, I mean, it's not bad. <laughs> well, not really, but yeah. but I guess it was different times. It's they, you could tell, like they, it's you know, obviously, it's not as realistic as it would be now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, so, but you can kind of appreciate almost like the the work they had to do. Like this wasn't CGI blood or anything. They had to like figure it out. Like how do how do we make it look as real as possible? Well, that's what makes these interesting too, and it makes it feel a lot more real. You don't have it's not CGI blood. It's not. Right. CGI. I mean, these were all realistic, uh, realistic looking effects. Well, right. in this movie at least. Right, right, right. I mean, not, not all of them, but uh, Tom Savini's really great with the mm-hmm. effects, and and it really shows in this one. Mm-hmm. So, this was the uh, Friday the Thirteenth too. This was the first independent slasher that was acquired by a major motion picture studio. Oh, no kidding! So these yeah. were all independent up until this point. Pretty much. And after this, then they started producing their own, but this was an independent and Paramount uh, purchased the rights for a million and a half. Mm -hmm. And then they spent another million on advertising. Just side note, since I don't want to take it too far from where you're going, but overall thoughts on, on Jason as a, as a horror icon. Oh, he's one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I preferred him when it was just a real man. Yeah. Once the franchise went on and it had more supernatural elements to it, he said it was still enjoyable, but uh, it's less. I, I find it less scary because yeah, 
Because he, he just becomes a he just becomes a zombie Terminator. Yeah, pretty much. When uh, Kane Hodder, right? Is that the guy? Mm-hmm. Starts playing him. Yeah, he's just a Terminator. Yeah, and I can still enjoy those films, but they're less scary. Right. So, and I would have been older. I would have been older too when I'd seen those. Right. So again, it's probably less impactful. It it, it becomes it becomes less about being scared and more about like how the how is the how the hell is he going to kill these people? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You're just you're just now you're kind of rooting for Jason. That's what I was just going to say. And yeah. You know, in the beginning with these movies, you're rooting for the final girl, but it gets to the point towards the end where you start rooting for the killers. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of twisted. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so um, let's see. So the kill count. I know you like the kill counts. There was ten killed in this movie. Yeah, but it was uh, right down the middle: five male, five female. What What's the What's your favorite kill in this movie? Um, I'm going to ask you that after each film. Oh, okay. I, I only I made notes on certain ones that are just yeah. really over the top because a yeah. lot of these, or if, yeah, to me, best one or over the top, whatever you want, however you want to answer it. All right, probably, uh, probably the Kevin Bacon kill. Just the the arrow underneath the bed. Yeah, for this right. one. Yeah. I mean, you, you're it, not expecting that one. Right. It looked really great too. Yeah. And it's fucking Kevin Bacon getting killed. Mm-hmm. This is one of his <laughs> early movies. He wasn't even famous yet. Right, right, right. But just now in retrospect, you're like, that's fucking Kevin Bacon. Yeah. His <laughs> first movie was Animal House. And this mm. was like his third movie, third or right. fourth. Right, right, right. So, yeah, back then, uh, they just, they didn't, uh, they didn't really have a lot of stars in the movies, which I think made it more realistic as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know? they were all unknown, so you didn't know... You really didn't know, who's, know who, who's going right. to live, who's going to die. That was the kind of the um, the appeal of Scream is that they killed the most popular person right off the bat. Oh, I know you didn't really expect that, right? You they kinda, the lead. They, they took um, a lot of the tropes and just flipped them on the head. Right, right, so, right. So and that's what made that. They kind of re-energized the whole slasher genre for the the nineties. Yeah, yeah. They it all came back in the night like that, and mm-hmm. I know what you did last summer. We're all. Mm-hmm. We're huge. Did you ever see um, Valentine? I did not see Valentine. That's a really good one. It's kind of underrated. Is that from the early late nineties, two thousand? Around that same time period, yeah. Hmm. It has uh, uh, David Barantz from Angel, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yeah, yeah. Bones. Two thousand one horror film. Val- oh, you know what? I remember. I remember seeing ads for this. Catherine Heigl. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was pretty good. Was it? I think it kind of slipped under the radar, though. I don't think it really pulled. No, in. it didn't hold like obviously like Scream or even I know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it started the, the fad again. Started kind of fading away. It was kind of on the back half of that. Mm-hmm. But um, I I really enjoyed that one. What was the it was the gimmick just it being around Valentine's Day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, let's see, the, the killer when he was a kid. I'm trying to remember how this goes. Uh, I, have it mixed, I think I have it mixed up with something else, but basically he had a crush on one girl. She humiliated him at a dance. He held think, on to that you know, ever I, since. I think I think they were making out under the bleachers or something like that, and then they were caught. And she was like, "Oh, he attacked me," and just humiliated the kid. And uh, you know, flash forward to the <laughs> flash forward to college. Yeah. And uh, Valentine's Day, and these girls start getting gifts from the killer. Right. And uh, 
fun ensues, I guess. It's, I love that. I always like the tropes where the it's like the it's the kid gets traumatized at an early age, and yeah, then that's that's and, pretty much part of. But he holds on to it for like twenty years, and then decides to let it go, like on some certain like it's just random day or whatever day that it the theme mm-hmm. of the movie is. Yeah, but, I, just, yeah. I just like that they always hold, they they have him hold on to it for a while. The anniversary of uh, right, the anniversary or whatever of of the trauma event or something. Mm-hmm. Something happens that unleashes that memory again. He's like, I gotta fucking kill all these people. Yeah, I don't know. I found it to be creative. Yeah, no, they're they're. Always, I I just find them amusing. Yeah. So, um, what do we? We kind of got uh, off on a tangent. Yeah, there. we were uh, we were at Friday the Thirteenth though. Okay, so let's see that the budget on that one. So. Again, it was pretty low budget. They made it for five hundred and fifty thousand, mm-hmm. and opening weekend it pulled in five point eight million, and then it ended up with the initial run. It did thirty nine point seven million um, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Worldwide, it pulled in almost sixty million. Quite a return back then. Yeah, so it was made for five hundred and fifty thousand, and then when Paramount purchased it, they purchased it for a million and a half. Spent another million on advertising, so. You know, you're looking a little over three million, and you profit almost sixty. Not bad. So you could tell why this was a big hit, and it really. I, this is probably the one that really exploded everything in terms yeah, of like it, making slash films. Uh, you know, as far as fans, this really brought them into the theaters. Um, they wanted a lot more after seeing this. The bloodier, the better, and uh, it really piqued interest a lot of the major film companies. That you know, two years later, they had no interest in Halloween. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody would pick up the movie. Do you think so, when Friday the 13th was made that they knew they were going to go with like sequels with Jason? Because it ends with the kid coming out of the water. I don't know if they planned it this early on. Right. They probably didn't even know if this was going to be a hit or not. Right. Because like, who would have known that this, you know, when you watch this film, who would have known that a, the Terminator zombie with the hockey mask would have come out of this and been the icon, you know? Mm-hmm. Like this was about a, a mom getting revenge. Right. I, I think that was more just kind of a last jump scare. You see that a lot of these movies where the killer, the killer or, or whatnot makes one last jump scare right. towards the end. But then the, the amount of money it made, they were like, yeah, we got to keep going with this. Right. They were going to kill off the franchise after the fourth one. Really? Is that, that's mm-hmm. when Jason dies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And uh, that just made so much money that kind of killed those plans. <laughs> But then they made that stupid one where it was like the non, it wasn't Jason, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was the, the next one. Yeah. <laughs> and then the sixth one is when the, the, like the lightning hits the grave, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, you know your movies. Yeah, man. I could, that's why we're chatting. <laughs> I wasn't sure how much, uh, you knew. The, the, the big ones, like I said, the big ones I know, like the, uh, when you mentioned a stranger calls, I knew about it, but I haven't seen it. I, I knew like what the, with the kind of the idea of the plot. Okay. Like Black Christmas had uh what didn't it have uh Superman uh Lois Lane in it? Uh, Margot Kitty, is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. gets killed with the fucking the she gets stabbed with the the Christmas tree, right? I think so, yes. The the like the glass Christmas tree ornament or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you see that? I watch a lot of the kill count on YouTube. <laughs> oh well you're seeing the probably the best of it then. Yeah, yeah. They, they where they they run through all the kill they, they the kill count have you seen those videos yeah yeah for those that don't know the kill count I like I really enjoy this YouTuber but he basically runs through the entire plot and then just 
shows you the kills. Well, there's a few people that do that on, on YouTube. Yeah. With kill counts. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, so uh, I mean, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun little thing to do because all these movies have awesome kills. Well, a lot of the times too, if I haven't seen a movie mm-hmm. and I'm trying to decide if I want to watch it, I'll watch the kill count. Yeah. Just to be like, Oh, it looks interesting. Right, 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 right. Then it kind of spoils it for you too. I guess it does spoil but, it, but it's still fun. Yeah. I, I don't really mind spoilers that much. Not at this point. I mean, it, at this point too, the movies have been around so long. It's you, you're watching these more for like the the vibe and like we talked about the appeal of slasher films is like all the other stuff around it, not necessarily the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you heard of uh, Have you heard of Prom Night? I have. You see that one? I haven't seen it. No. Okay, so that was probably the next. That's the next one on my list that came out in 1980 and um, that brings back Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, what the fuck! So, yeah, <laughs> she's in that, and uh, you know the Brady Bunch, right? Yeah. Okay, I just I don't know how much TV you've watched, and oh yeah. So uh, Jan from the Brady Bunch, Eve Plum, she mm-hmm. actually auditioned for the role that Jamie Lee Curtis had gotten. No kidding. So I don't know if you can picture her in a slasher. <laughs> no, I can't. So, so what you uh, what do you think of this one? It was good. Yeah. Um, I, I think as I was ranking things. Um, Friday the 13th, I put that up uh, eight and a half, nine. Mm-hmm. It's pretty high. What about prom night? Uh, seven. What's the uh, what's the gimmick in this? All right, so you know it starts in the um, past. I think it's like 1974, and there's a bunch of 11 year olds playing hide and seek. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a little girl, and she wants to join in with the group, but they start teasing her. And she accidentally falls to her death through an open window. So the kids all kind of get together and they make a pact not to tell anyone about what happened, you know, keep it secret. And then six years later, the girl's family, they attend a memorial on the anniversary of her death. Mm -hmm. And it's also prom night. Mm -hmm. And then the kills start. And that takes you into the movie. So it's it's a mystery on what... (laughs) Who this killer is? Yeah, a lot of these are kind of like who done it, who's the killer. Right. That's why I, I kind of worded things sort of carefully, so you don't really right. If, if someone watches watch these, I don't want to spoil it for people. Right, right, right. What's the I mean, uh, what's the best kill? Ah, uh, okay. For me, let's see. That's not spoiling too much. One no. kill is not spoiling too much. Uh, a lot of axings in this, and and axings uh, <laughs> throat slits. <laughs> I, um, good old fashioned throat slit. I think maybe uh, one of this is a nurse. She gets sliced with a glass shard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as far as being creative. Yeah. The yeah. other ones, you know, it's like an axe. Knife, or, axe, right. Mm-hmm, so nothing too creative. They didn't really start getting super creative until uh, till a couple years later, maybe. Like as so the, yeah, this is still like out. the early genre. Mm-hmm. Right. Is this, is this one particularly bloody? Not by today's standards. By right. then, yeah, yeah. There was, um, let's see, there was uh, eight eight kills in it, and mm-hmm. three were male, five five were female. Oh, this one hates women. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's kind of close, <laughs> close there. Yeah, right, right. right. Oh, yeah, you, you might uh, you might think you know who the killer is in this too, but uh, I think it might it kind of tricks you. Is it a good trick? Expecting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a decent movie. Okay. That might be one to check out too. Mm-hmm. Um, this was made uh, 
Again, they filmed this one in Toronto in 24 days, and it had a 1.5 million budget. Mm-hmm. And that's Canadian, so I think that's less than American money, but it turned around and made 14.7 million in the U.S. Hmm. So again, big hit. Right. Another another good return. Yeah. So I know you like the, uh, you always talk on the, the Jack and Nerd show about the, the budgets and things the budget, like that, yeah, how much yeah. they make, which I always find pretty fascinating. It is because you 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 look at it like nowadays how, how much money they're pouring into films and then you just rewind now thirty years to this and you're like, geez, that's all they were making these films for. That's the way to do it because right. you don't need, you know, I mean, they're making hand over fist with you know fourteen point seven million. Doesn't sound like a lot now, and these aren't inflated for. I didn't adjust these. For no, yeah, inflation like inflation would inflate these a lot more. Right. So. Still, quite a quite a haul to be making in. Mm-hmm. So, have you heard of uh, "He Knows You're Alone"? That one, I don't think I've heard of. I'm I'm going to Wikipedia it. As a young bride to be stalked by a serial killer in Staten Staten Island. How's this one? Um, it's so so. I ain't going to do it for a reason. Why is that? Um, it's the feature film deb- debut of Tom Hanks. There's a little <laughs> role in it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Another uh, big time actor in a little role. I got a, quite a list of big time actors that played in these movies. Where mm-hmm. I don't know, we can do it now. We can get to it later. Yeah, whatever. Um, so it's yeah, funny though. Like a lot of these guys, probably like just assuming they they would probably be like ah, you you wouldn't you you you'd almost like look back on those and be like I, I wouldn't have ever expected these guys to be in these films. You have to wonder too. It's like, okay, where would Tom Hanks be if he didn't get his start? This, this was, right. before, I think it was just before Booze and Buddies, mm-hmm. the television show. Mm-hmm. So you kind of wonder if he didn't, if he wasn't in this, would he have been discovered? Right, right. And then think of all the movies we wouldn't have had. Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. I love Tom Hanks. He's great. No, no movies Saving are, Private Ryan. No, none of those. No big. No big. Yeah. Is that a ghost in the background? Uh, somebody on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a wailing. I was like, I didn't. I couldn't distinguish the noise. It sounded like a ghost. Yeah, it's what you want it to be. Right. Hey, speaking of ghosts, did you get um, that audio from the Ghost Hunter from the last show? Oh did, yeah, did it- I I listened to it. So I I would point you to just go to his website. The I think it's the Dead Speak. Okay. Dot net. But yeah, you can hear it. What did you think of it? I thought it was a little creepy. <laughs> okay, it's hell. tough to it's tough to really know. I mean, some of it like you. Could, the thing is, is, some of that audio, it's creepy as fuck for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also telling you what you should be hearing. So like, it'll I forgot exactly, but it, the words are like spelled out there, like "come here" or something like that. So then, oh, like you're listening so for you're that. You're listening now. for it, and your mind yeah. your mind may be playing tricks on you. Right, it's like, right, right. It's kind of like. Um, the whole thing with subliminal messages and music. Exactly. Have you ever heard that where yeah, you're yeah. listening to it, you don't hear it until somebody right. tells you tells what you, right. for. And you're like, yeah, I guess it kind of sounds like that. Right. So it's tough. I mean, I, I, I definitely, uh, I enjoyed having him on and I enjoyed listening to some of that stuff. Yeah, it was um, an interesting listen. I was, I was really hoping to hear the, uh, the audio. Yeah. Yeah. I would point, I've had a few more than a few people's, few people say that so for those that are listening to this and want to hear the audio just go to the deadspeak.net you can easily find all the audio yeah i'll have to check that out definitely so yeah i mean this is a movie to check out you know 
not bad. I rated a five and a half, six. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there any? Is there a favorite kill in this one? Uh, I got to think about that. Well, the kill count they had nine kills, three male, five female. So again, it's not really that lopsided one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I gotta think, I'm trying to like replay the movie in my head because I didn't make notes on all the the actual kills and all of them. If you can't think of one, we can move on. Uh, I'm just gonna. Okay, we'll, we'll move on then. What's the next one? Next one is uh, you might like this one. Terror Train. Also with Jamie Lee Curtis. What, well, she was the Scream Queen. Yeah. <laughs> She's been in a lot of movies. Terror Train. Terror Train. It's uh, pretty much a college party on a train. <laughs> they could remake this and, and have it at Coachella. <laughs> this, this sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty good. We, Is uh, it? I'd rank it like an eight. Yeah. Yeah. What's the what's it's, the gimmick? It's just so, a party um, on a train. Okay, so back in the past, I was having a New Year's Eve party um, at a fraternity, and as a prank, they they took a sh- uh, the pledge. They took one of the pledges and they let him into a darkened room and said, "Well, we got a lady in there for you. That's you know, um, kind of promised him sex." Mm-hmm. So he goes in and there's a corpse in the bed instead of a woman. So the kid's traumatized and they, he ends up going to a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> so, so and, and I don't think this is spoiling cause it's right in the beginning. So right. I'm just setting it up. Um, three years later, the same fraternity, they hold a new year's Eve costume party on a train mm-hmm. and the killing starts. Huh. I, I see the, the poster's got a dude in a Groucho Marx mask. Mm-hmm. Is he wearing this the entire fucking film? No. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes the uh, the um, posters are kind of misleading. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's one you want to check out. Yeah. So, but yeah, it'd be pretty funny if they remade that. Yeah, they could rave. They or, could. So maybe maybe Jock and Nerd needs to push for that. Pony up some funds and we can make our own. <laughs> Make our own movie. Make our own chair. We'll make our own uh, slasher film in the midst of a of mm-hmm. a festival. Mm-hmm. That'd be so a this one. Okay, so all the kill. There were eleven kills in this, and they were all male. Oh, what the they fuck! This one male. hates men. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of you know debunks the theory that it's only women getting killed. Is there a, is there a favorite kill in this one? Um, a lot of sword kills in this one. They were pretty good. There was a magician. What dude's using a sword? Where does he get a sword? Mm-hmm. Well, you gotta watch it. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, yeah, they're pretty run of the mill, I think. Yeah, but there was a cool kill with a sword, a sword in the gut. That's probably okay. the best one in this. Mm-hmm. I'll have to kill count this one. Are you doing that now? No, no. I said oh. I'll have to. Oh, okay. I'll, not right now. Well, I'll, afterward, afterwards, I'm, I might be like just on my phone watching Kill Count for a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, they they get more creative as it goes on. I made notes of some of the ones I really think are pretty bizarre. Mm-hmm. Well, this was a pretty decent sized hit too. Like I said, I seen this one in the theater. Um, it had a four point two million budget and it pulled in eight million domestic. Got it. So almost doubled its money, mm-hmm. which isn't bad. 
not as big, not as big as a hit of the as the other one. So no, no, but still, I mean, hardly a disappointment. Mm-hmm. I mean, the big ones are the ones that went on and had the, the franchises Halloween, right. Friday the Thirteenth, and right, right, right. Nightmare, right. But, I mean, that's respectable, mm-hmm. and a lot of these didn't get uh, widespread um, showings throughout the the country. Some of them had very limited runs. Why was that? Just because of the violence. Mm. Some areas may have been, you know, regional. They may not want to play the uh, the film because of protests or whatnot. And um, again, some were released unrated. They couldn't mm-hmm. get the ratings, so that also limited where they could play. Jamie Lee Curtis being in three of these is crazy. Yeah, she was in. Did you ever see The Fog? It's not a slasher. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've seen The Fog. Yeah, that's a really good movie too. That came out. That was her second movie after the. Uh, Halloween, in our second movie with uh, John Carpenter. Right, right, right. Uh, not a slasher, but it's a really good movie. Right. So eventually she branched off, and she didn't want to do the second Halloween, but she kind of figured, well, I sort of, because she was going into other areas, kind of getting getting out of the horror films at that point. She was trying she to, like- wanted to do other things, so she didn't really want to get stereotyped. Right. But she felt like she owed it to John Carpenter for giving her start. Mm-hmm. So she agreed to be in Halloween too. Got it. One last movie for 1980 is uh, not that good of a movie, but it's kind of creative. I think the the the, the plot's kind of creative. It's New Year's Evil, and it was uh, released in December of 1980. And there's a Los Angeles new wave punk host, and he starts getting these phone calls from the killer, and he threatens to murder a person, you know, every hour as New Year's hits, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day hits at each time zone. <laughs> so 24 kills? Yeah. So they have to stop him before, you know, he goes about his plan. It was really low budget. Like, I couldn't even find budget information on this. Mm-hmm. But watching it, you could tell it was a really low budget movie, but it was it was pretty decent. Was it good? So, yeah. Seems like I, a cool gimmick. I, yeah, the gimmick is the coolest thing. Um, probably like a six out mm. of ten. Good uh, kills. Pretty decent. Yeah. I said it was it was low budget. Yeah. And it, it kind of looks that way. It probably looks a little dated. I think now too, mm-hmm. compared to some of the other ones. But it's worth checking out. So they had uh, his first kills were seven killed in this one, three male and four female. So they're pretty um, close. You pull it up the poster, you see the killer's mask. Yeah, I, well, I, the poster I have is this dude ripping through a December Clock. calendar. Okay. Yeah, it just it, it looks like Norman Bates holding a fucking switchblade. Yeah, yeah. Most of the I think it's mostly just stabbings in this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Probably the there was one guy strangled to death. A woman who was strangled to death with a plastic bag over the head. That was probably. You know, other than stabbings, like I said, they were pretty much as run of the mill at this right. point. They were more just realistic, so nothing, right, right, right. nothing super exciting. Okay. Oh, and then uh, so after this, we hit the peak. Nineteen eighty-one is really the peak. You know, this is where I have most of the movies. Um, a lot of the things that had already been in production, and uh, you know, now they're hitting the theater. Mm-hmm. And you know, at this point, they're very popular, so. They're making a lot of money, and it's it's really the peak. So more and more 
companies are jumping in the bandwagon, putting up movies, and a lot of these are probably the ones you've heard of, I think. They seem like they're some familiar titles. Um, I'm going to start with one. It came out in, premiered in New York City in January, uh, Maniac. I don't know if you've... Maniac? No, I haven't heard of that one either. No, it was, this is one that they released it unrated. Um, it had like a $350,000 budget, and it, it looks at this is very gritty. I mean, they couldn't even get, the budget was so low, they couldn't even get permits to shoot in New York, so they had to uh, kind of film guerrilla style. And this was listed as Video Nasty, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. Oh yeah, in England. <laughs> I, I don't even think they would release it in England. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty much just a serial killer running loose in New York, scalping young women. Scalping everyone? Scalp, yeah, scalping women. Oh my god. There's a uh, Let's see, eight kills, three male and five female. There was one kill where he might be the best one. Well, the the ending is just crazy. The kill is crazy. I don't want to talk about it though. But one of the kills I like, he um, it's almost like son of son of Sam, almost influenced by son of Sam. He had a couple there driving down the road. He jumps on the hood of the car and he just shotgun blasts the the boyfriend in the head. Oh fuck. Yeah, so yeah, it's pretty. It was just very gritty. It looked very realistic. So I could see uh, why people would be upset by this. I think like um, Gene Siskel, he actually <laughs> walked out on this movie. Did he really? Yeah, he said it was like way too violent and walked out. I mean, now with some of the movies that are out, doesn't seem that violent. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this one caused a big uproar, a lot of protests, and uh, this is where. Was like a lot of. I think this is where the backlash on slashers really started. Was it just because of like the how brutal it was? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, and again, they said you know the violence against women, but three males were killed too. It was three men, five females. So right. Everybody's getting killed. Yeah, everyone. Everyone gets an equal chance to die in these films. I mean, like I said, that's it, it, this one's really gritty, really realistic, and. For people that say, well, I, I don't like slashers because they're they're not that scary. They don't seem realistic. The killer's um, not realistic. You know, you watch something like this, this is something that probably, you know, could happen. Mm-hmm. Until you get to the crazy ending. Gotcha. So, you know, you going to check out any of these? Am I selling any of these? Oh, yeah. Am no, I'm, I, am I as, selling the sizzle? As you're talking about it, I'm like throwing them up on the on my YouTube kill count just to see some of the kills. Okay. Which I would advise if, if when people are listening to do the same because it makes it makes this experience all the more enjoyable. I'm trying to work from memory with a lot of this stuff. Right. Um, the fact made, that the fact that this is all in memory is kind of crazy too. By the way. Yeah, I made notes with the amount of the, the kill counts and the dollar amounts that I don't have in memory, but right. A lot of this, this one I didn't actually see in the theater. I didn't see this one until I was older. Mm-hmm. I don't even think this played in my area. Yeah, I'm looking at this one's kill. I'm looking. This does look pretty fucking brutal. Okay. Oh, flash forward to the end if you want to see what you think. Oh, what the fuck? I believe those are hookers. They're like fucking mutilating him. It kind of reminds me of Walking Dead. <laughs> they're like zombies. What are they yeah. doing? Yeah, they're so. They're, they're, getting, this, re- they're yeah, getting revenge. Yeah. They're, they're, this, this, so the bend of this, this guy is getting fucking mutilated by a lot of fucking people. I'll, I'll just say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's where it kind of gets unrealistic. Um, Savini did the effects on this too, so they are they're pretty decent for a low budget movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the effects are pretty decent. Right. Did you see the uh, shotgun? I did that blast? one. That's a good. That's a good fucking shotgun blast. Yeah, that's that one stuck with me. That's yeah. probably one of my favorites in the movie. Yeah, these kills are pretty realistic. Good, yeah, good ass effects. And this guy looks creepy as shit. Yep. Why is he killing all these people? <laughs> he's just weird. He's just. Yeah, he's just a serial killer. He just, you know, there's no reason. There's, yeah. That probably makes it scarier, too. You don't have the gimmick. You don't have, uh, you know, something happened to him in the past. It's just, right. just is what it is. So it's right, just very right, random. Right. That, that, does, that does make it more scary. Let you finish up there. So oh, yeah. Go ahead. What's the next one? Okay, next one we got... Um, yeah, My Bloody Valentine. I've heard of this. You've probably heard of that one. Did you see yeah. it? I've seen parts of it. Okay. Is this the one where so, it's uh, the dude wears the gas mask? Right. Yep. So it's, uh, I'll set it up. In the, uh, there's a mining town, Valentine Bluffs, and there's a methane gas explosion. And uh, it traps five miners in a shaft. And the foreman left early, so there's nobody there to help them. Um, and he left early to go to a Valentine's dance. So six weeks later, there's one survivor from the accident, and he was re- he was re- they found him, he was rescued, and he survived by eating the dead co-workers, and he just went nuts. So after, he was like in an institution, I think, for like a year, and then he escaped on Valentine's Day, because, you know, what's the, what's the chance of that, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he escaped, and he tracked, down the foreman and killed him by cutting out his heart. And then he left a warning saying that if you ever have a Valentine's Day celebration again, the killings would resume. So 20 years later, they kind of figured the guy was dead and they started preparing for their first Valentine's dance and the killings resume. <laughs> this one's based and, on around Valentine's Day, right? Right. And yeah, that's the other thing. Once um, at Halloween, they started doing it New Year's Eve. They started Picking pretty much any holiday off the calendar, <laughs> setting it around that. It doesn't work as well as Halloween. Yeah, I guess this is a pretty decent movie. The remake was good as well. Yeah, the remake was not all that long ago. I don't think. No, it, it's as far as remakes go, it's pretty decent. They made it in uh, 3D. That's what I remember about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fucking funny. With this one, they had to trim down the. Uh, the violence. This is Which one, one? Of the first ones. This one, Valentine. The eighties. The, the, the original. Okay. The original. They had to trim it down because it, the uh, MPAA wouldn't release it with uh, an R rating. Oh no! Okay. So they, they they cut down like nine minutes of footage. Mm-hmm. And I think eventually they some of it's out on DVD now or on Blu-ray. They put uh, maybe like three minutes back into the film. So I don't know what the other six minutes was. Mm-hmm. So again, this is. Uh, Around the time where they really started cracking down on these films. Sometimes, though, I think with all the hoopla around it, it just made it more popular. People had to go rush to see what was going on. Like when you know, they started, what's everyone talking about? Yeah, when they started saying like this is too too bad to be on uh, in the movie theaters or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you see this one in the theater? Yeah, I did. What's the uh, What's the best kill? Uh, okay, so there's this one had a pretty high kill count. There was sixteen. Oh, that's a lot for a fucking... uh, That's a lot of killing. (laughs) And uh, 11 of them were male. And then you just had five females that were killed. 
Gotcha. So pretty high on the male kills there. This one is also, uh, I, re- I remember this one being like a whodunit sort of thing too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's not who you expect. Right, right, they, they right. They kind of lead you to believe it's uh, Harry Warden, the guy from the original accident. And, right. And uh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Who knows? Yeah. You got to see it. Well, let's see. Best kill count. I think uh, I had one guy, they boiled his head with uh, some hot dogs. <laughs> really? Yeah. This is, uh, So now they're getting like creative with this shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's some, I'm trying to think of what else was in there. That uh, Does the dude wear the, ga- the, uh, the mining mask the entire time? Mm. Is that part of his gimmick? Part of the gimmick. I don't know if I think it might have been on the entire time. Okay. I think that might have been the most creative one. Yeah. All right. What's so, next? All right. What's next? Oh, let's uh, talk budget budget on this one. So they yeah. made it for two point three million, and uh, they almost doubled their money with five point seven million gross. Mm-hmm. But again, that was because of uh, the distribution. Right, right, right. Didn't play everywhere. This one was made in uh, made in Canada, huh? Yep, it was, yeah. it was filmed in Nova Scotia. Oh, okay. Yeah, they actually had a it was at a mining site on on site. So it's a pretty good movie. I would you know, definitely recommend this one. It's probably a seven, right? As far as slashers go, next one is uh, a favorite of mine: The Fun House. I've not heard of it. Okay, this one's The Fun House. The Fun House. Okay. Uh, directed by Toby Hooper. You know Toby Hooper, right? From Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. So and He did uh, a slasher, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, he did uh, uh Texas Chainsaw, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so this one's You don't consider that yeah. by the way a sla- a slasher mm-hmm. from Texas Chainsaw? More like a proto slasher, something that kinda influenced influenced the uh, slasher genre. Got it. So um, yeah, well, I mean, you could. Yeah, I'd say it's more of a proto slasher. Like, right. You know, for this, we're kind of just saying it started with Halloween. There's been a lot of movies. I mean, a lot of uh, Italian movies. There's German movies. Um, Pete Walker was a director in England. He had a lot of movies that were um, very bloody, a lot of knife kills. There's a lot of, like, um, in those, those exploitation films, right? Yep, there's yeah. a, in the in the 70s. films that kind of influenced a lot of this. Right. Um, so they really pulled from a lot of different sources. That could be like a show itself, talking about a lot of the influences. Right. There's these movies um, in Germany. They're German movies that were put out in the um, maybe like late 50s, early 60s, and they were almost like Sherlock Holmes mysteries, sort of. They were set it's kind of interesting because it, you know, they're made in Germany, but they're set at Scotland Yard, and they're based on murder mystery novels by Edgar Wallace. Mm-hmm. And they had a, they were decent movies, but there was always like a gimmick. The killers always had some sort of guilt gimmick. Mm-hmm. There was one guy with a claw. I remember this uh, movie. I mean, you know, I'm I'm guessing maybe that's where they get the influence for Freddy. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was another so the, one. These movies kind of influenced. How the, the slashers each had a gimmick. I think so, yeah. yeah. The, the killers, at least, I mean, they were just over the top. There was another right. one, College Girl Murders, where the guy was pretty much dressed up as a monk in a red outfit, red hood, mm-hmm. 
and he'd pretty much just go around and strangle women. <laughs> what the fuck? It just it was very outlandish. I mean, yeah. it was thinking like James Bond villains. Oh, right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, that was definitely an influence on these having like over the top killers with gimmicks. Well, you definitely see it in all the films for sure. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Italian crime films that were heavily influenced um, uh, some slashers as well. There was one in 73, 74 called Torso. And that's a really good film. Very bloody. And uh, I mean, you can just see the influence in the slashers from a lot of these. Are slashers considered exploitation films? Or is that the different I guess, era? I guess some of the lower budget ones like Maniac and whatnot could be, but um, yeah, I suppose some could. Like the, the earlier ones too, I was talking about Drilla Killer and the Hollywood Slasher and whatnot. They're so low budget and they just have that same kind of look as exploitation films. That what what is the just for those that don't know what what does an exploitation film kind of look like or what what is that? It is very low budget movies. Um, you know, they really play up the sex. They play up violence in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, they're almost like a. Yeah. I would say, like y- you kind of know it when you see it. There's almost you know, like this gritty grittiness. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a. Y- you can tell it's like low budget, gritty, kind of like maybe the plot isn't all that important. Is more more or less like what they're playing up in the film, mm-hmm. right? Like the crazy violence or the the psychoticness or. Like um, like the cannibalism, like those cannibal fucking films in the seventies. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you've seen some of those, huh? I have, man. Those are real. Those are real fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. I know that uh, was the Cannibal Holocaust is like the most violent film they consider, and they like crazy. killed real animals and shit in that movie. I'm trying to think, I can't think of the name of it. Um. Oh, blood, blood, blood sucking freaks. Blood suck. Is that, that the a- cannibal one? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much. That was an exploitation film, and that was just over-the-top violence, ripping mm-hmm. people open, eating intestines. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty much, you'll know it when you see it. Right. Well, let's keep um, this thing moving. Let's keep it moving. So on this one, it's uh, date night, and a cu- uh, two couples, they go to the carnival, mm-hmm. and um, they're dared to pretty much stay in the funhouse overnight. And uh, when they're in there, they witness a murder, and they try to get out of there, but they're locked in, and then they're being stalked by the killer. How, is it, is it like a big fun house? Mm-hmm. So the, yeah. the whole gimmick here is they're they're in a crazy environment, and they can't get out. Right, and yeah. they're being stalked. Got it. So low kill count, six, four male, two female, and uh, not sure how much they made it for, but it pulled in about $8 million. Mm-hmm. Any any so, standout kills? No, they're pretty standard, I think. All the all the s- s- stabbings and slit and throat slits. Mm-hmm. I think there was a strangulation in in in, uh, in the beginning. Got it. So I like the environment in this one, though. It was that uh, you know something new. And yeah, it is. Yeah. It's different. So, it, it, Toby Hooper it was well made. Mm-hmm. One house kill counts. All right, go ahead. Keep going. Pull up kill counts for that one? Yeah, oh yeah. I, I pull them up as you talk about them. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Um, next one I like. I don't know. They consider it a slasher, but I don't really know 
it doesn't really seem to have any of the elements of a slasher. It's called Bloody Birthday. Okay. And I've heard of this one. Oh, I yeah, haven't the, seen it, but I haven't killer. seen it. But yeah, I've heard, I've heard of it. Yeah, I put this as my um, movie of the day today with 31 Days of Horror. I'm doing mm-hmm. that on uh, the Chamber of Chills. Right. A lot of people just pick, you know, a lot of well-known ones. I picked uh, a few movies that people may not have heard of that are kind of underrated. And I put them in for, you know, 31 Days of Horror of uh, movie watching mm-hmm. for Halloween. So this is a movie for today, actually. I, I kind of like the feel of this. It's a low-budget movie. You can tell it's low-budget by the way it's made, but it makes it almost realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts off where you have um, three mothers who are not a uh, hospital, and they're giving birth to uh, kids, and a solar eclipse occur. And that's about it. And then you flash forward to the... Oh, the so the gimmick is that the, a solar eclipse occurs when these kids are born, so it's yeah, there's some sort of paranormal act thing to it. Somehow makes these kids killers. <laughs> It's really, it's pretty weak. Um, so the kids are the killers. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I guess I'm not really spoiling anything. No, no, because, no. Um, so then it zooms to the present and you have uh, a couple in a graveyard and they're going at it and they decide to go on a dug grave for, I don't know if they're looking for privacy. <laughs> so all of a sudden you get uh, dirt falling on them and the guy looks up and he's hit in the face with a shovel. And then all of a sudden the woman, she's strangled to death with a jump rope. <laughs> and then it kind of it makes it ridiculous for the fact that these are kids yeah yeah but i don't know i find it very enjoyable mm-hmm. death by jump rope that might be one of the best ones in this that's uh, death by jump rope is not i guess i should have expected creative things like that but i wasn't expecting to hear death by jump rope in today's in today's recording yeah that, so that might be one of my favorites in that but it's pretty weird because there's really no reason why these kids are going on a killing spree other right. than they were all born under a solar eclipse. Right. So there's a, another kill too. I like where, um, so you get eight people killed in this, even down the line, four men, four women. Um, the, the girl likes, she has a peephole and I, I don't remember if it's her sister or who it is in the other room, but they're always spying on these people over there when she's dressing or, whatnot and it, it almost seems like sex kind of triggers these kids because a lot of the kills are around people that are having sex or the normal trope in these movies normal right trope. yeah so she uh she gets the woman in the other room through the peephole with an arrow through the people mm-hmm. <laughs> she's in the next room they have a peephole and they spy on i don't remember if it's the sister or who it is exactly but uh she gets it with an arrow Nice. <laughs> Something to think about. Definitely. So, yeah, I, there's no information at all on this either as far as the budget goes or how much money it holds yeah, in. I've seen I, this one in a the theater, so it, it did get a distribution. They re-released it, too, in, uh, in 1982. They renamed it Creeps. And they put why it did out they do there. that? They did that a lot with a lot of these movies just to try to make more money. Huh. They would give it another name, put it out, and try to trick. Because there were so many slashers coming out. That they would think, you know, they're trying to trick the public into believing it's a new movie. And they, maybe these, there were so many coming out that it was getting lost in the shuffle, so they're like, maybe we can mm-hmm. throw this back out there. Right. And sometimes also when they would go overseas, they would change the title for overseas. Right. Pulling up the kill count for this? No, you got it. 
What's that? I said I, I didn't pull up the kill count. I don't think there is a kill count one for this one. No? I couldn't find it. I have I, All I could see was trailers. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll see if I can find it for you later. Yeah. Well, let's see. You gotta, still got a few more movies in uh, 1981. I think I picked out like a dozen movies. Holy shit. This, yeah. For, and, then it, and then after this, it trails off to three or four movies a year. Mm-hmm. This really was the peak. And it seemed like I was going to the movies every other week seeing these. What's the uh, here? Let's not run through all of them because we got we're only we're about an hour and fifteen in. Um, okay, but uh, like pick a couple, pick a couple more from eighty one, and then pick like the big ones from each of the next couple of years after that. Okay, uh, we'll go with uh, so the next one will be Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. How did how does well, this one stack up? Part two. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen part two. Really? No. Yeah, he walks. Uh, he walks around in the, the the mask, the burlap mask, right, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, this is good. Probably an eight. It uh, pretty much picks up right after the first. Did they? Uh, did they? Did they know where they were going yet with the the hockey mask? Or obviously not, right? No, that wasn't until the third film. Got it. So, like you were saying, this is where he has the. Uh, burlap sack or whatnot. This one. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Do it. Okay. So yeah, I picked up right after the, the first movie, and um, just kind of goes on from there. More killings at Crystal Camp. Mm-hmm. Camp Crystal Lake. So, but now we, you know, it's the first appearance of Jason. We get him, and uh, nine kills, five male, four female. And it grossed uh, $21.7 million on a $1.2 million budget. So it was a sizable hit. This, um, well, this, obviously this one was, uh, they were like, yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely milking the shit out of this now. Because mm-hmm. the sequel just did almost as just as well. Yeah. So was it that, cause it's probably one of the best franchises. Uh, a couple weeks later, there was a movie released called The Burning. And... That one kind of fell through the cracks because it was it was uh, a very similar theme to Friday the Thirteenth. Um, it had um, Jason Alexander. Oh yeah, George Jason Alexander. from Seinfeld. This was right. his debut, debut, and uh, Holly Hunter also debuted in this movie. The Burning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this one it, it opens up at a summer camp, and there's a bunch of kids, and they pull a prank on this weird caretaker. Oh, is this the they, one? This is the one with the fucking the guy with the shears, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they set his cabin on fire. Basically, he's horribly burnt, and he's sent to a hospital for skin grafts. And like five years later, he shows up. That's a prostitute, and then goes back to the camp for a killing spree. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. I, this one, Some I just remember, actually, like he always is like putting his hands up with the fucking shears. Right. Now, some people consider this better than Friday the 13th. Really? And it, yeah, I would say it's up would there. Would you? Would you say so? I don't know if I'd say it's better, but uh, it's up there. Tom Savini, uh, he turned down a job for um, Friday the 13th Part 2 to do this. They originally wanted him to do the makeup on Friday the 13th Part 2, but he picked this instead. I'm seeing, though, that this is produced by a, a man that is in the news for the wrong reasons now. Yeah. Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. This is one of the first movies for his uh, film company. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we can't watch it. <laughs> I guess not. Can't, can't watch anything he's ever done. No. That, that includes a lot of uh, 
Tarantino movies too. So what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? So Kill Count on this was 10, 5, and 5. So it was pretty much down the middle. They made it for a million and a half. But for whatever reason, and I think it just kind of slipped through the cracks with, um, you know, being around Friday the 13th Part 2, it didn't even make back its money. I think eventually it did when it hit Japan, and then it made the budget back overseas. But that just kind of fell through the cracks. Yeah, this one I didn't really hear too much about other than just the fucking guy with the shears, that's all. It's good. If you like Friday the 13th, I'd check this one out. Yeah. What's the um, uh, what's the next one? Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm skipping. The, another one I like is Happy Birthday to Me. Okay. And, what's the, what's um, the gimmick in this one? Okay. So what stars um, Melissa Sue Anderson from Little House on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. You familiar with that? Oh, yeah. She was Mary the Blind Girl. Yeah. <laughs> see, you can't really picture in a in a role like this. Um, so she's part of the school's uh, elite, part of the top ten clique. And um, all of the popular students are getting killed off one by one. Now, she thinks she might be doing She's having blackouts mm-hmm. because it was an accident four years before, and it killed her mother. And she was able to get out of the accident, but she had her head injury and whatnot. And that's part of the reason she's getting the blackouts. So it's kind of a mystery as to who's doing these killings. It kind of sets it up where you think it's her, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So it, this has probably a really good kill as well. It's uh, you'll see it on the cover of the DVD and a lot of the posters. Where is the the kebab? A shish kebab through the throat <laughs> or down the throat. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. So kill count was nine. They had six males and three females. Wow, and another the, one hating on the males. Yeah, this one did pretty good too. It was uh, made for three and a half million, so it had a good budget, and it pulled in ten point six million. Pretty good. So these movies are still very profitable. And this is all still um, early 80s, right? 81. 81, okay. So it's some of the other ones in 81, there's Hell Knight with Linda Blair. That was really good. Uh, the Prowler. I've heard um, of The Prowler. Yeah, 1981. That's with uh, Tom Savini doing the effects on that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an interesting setup. Um, during World War II, uh, this woman writes a dear John Leonard or a boyfriend that's overseas and breaks up with him. And um, she's attending uh, a graduation ball or something like that with her new boyfriend. And they go out back to make out and are attacked by the prowler. And he's wearing this army combat uniform. Mm-hmm. So and he impales them both with a pitchfork. Oh, and then he leaves a rose behind. <laughs> so then, you know, flash forward, like I think 30, 35 years. And the town's having its first graduation ball again. And it triggers more killings. So it's kind of a mystery because, you know... Oh, another whodunit type? Who, who's doing it? Right. You know, it's not going to be... This guy's going to be ancient at that point, so is it him? Is it someone else? Who would it be? You got to so, find out. You got to watch it, right? You got to watch it. Eight kills, <laughs> two males, six females. Yeah. So it just made back its budget, too. It, it, they made it for a million, and it grossed a million. So this one wasn't all that so, successful. No, it, it, has a cult following now, but initially, but they were putting out so many movies, they just kind of fell through. I feel like all of these eventually get cult followings, even the ones that don't end up doing well. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, even the ones that aren't that good. Right. So people just people just gravitate toward them because they're like, oh, this one, this one I liked because for whatever reason. Yeah, um, Halloween two that came out in eighty one. Yep. 
So we talked about that. We talked about Halloween too. Yeah. I, I even gave you my favorite kill. Yeah. Wow. The the one that doesn't make any goddamn sense though is the one where the the nurse is like bled out. Okay. I'm just like, how the hell, like he's such a meticulous, he's such a like brutal killer, and then he like meticulously just bleeds out this one nurse. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, <laughs> you, you can't over, you can't really overthink these though. No, you can't. You can't. Otherwise, it kind of spoils it. This right. one had uh, made for two and a half million. It the uh, grossed twenty five point five million. It was a sizable hit. And that it kept it going too. Right. Did you ever see Halloween three? I know. I haven't. I've never fully Season watched the Lynch. movie, but I I remember I, it being made. Or I remember hearing about it and being like, it's not doesn't have Michael Myers. And then they were doing the whole right. like we were going to make a different Halloween film every year that was like yeah, a different theme. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He he wanted to make it sort of uh, an anthology, uh, a different different an anthology where you had a different tale every year based around Halloween. It was actually a good. It's not a slasher, but it was a really good movie, and it was really underrated because kind of fucked up too the kid one of the kids dies in the movie wearing the mask oh yeah uh. well you know nationwide anybody with those masks would die if the the uh if um they put on like the I signal or something right detective right but unless he solves everything and and takes down the druid in his evil plans it's almost like a james bond movie right it's so over the top you remember the, the, the song three more days to halloween no i don't uh, yeah, once once that gets in your head, let me play something for you. It's like it's stuck in my head now. I, I saw this one in the theater, uh-huh. and once you hear, once you hear it, it's like stuck in your your head forever. This oh the sound. I thought you said the sun. The song. <laughs> the song. I'm also getting dry. Yeah, yeah. Get some water. Do you have water? Yeah. Okay, good. You need that for a podcast, dude. Are you playing it? They have, yeah. Did yeah. you hear it? I can't hear it through. I don't think. I don't think it'll. Yeah, you, we can hear it through. They actually yeah. have a video on YouTube of twenty-four hours of that continuously. Oh God! Can you imagine who's going to listen to that? Some real fucked up people. Tony. Yep, I'm here. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, looks like we lost fiddlesticks. We'll have to uh, re-record or. Uh, we get get reconnected with him. Give me a second oh, here, guys. Okay, oh, you can you hear me? I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. Yeah. There. All right. There we go. He's back. I'm back. <laughs> oh, I know. I was uh, toning down the volume on that, and I think I went too low. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't hear you. Yeah. 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 I heard you go, Tony. <laughs> we're we'll good edit though. That out in the editing room. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That this spinoff you show actually, gets edited. You edit it, or do you just? No. No. We we it? don't edit any of it, and it, the, so the spinoff show totally gets played as as uh, as recorded. The uh, okay. Jock and Nerd gets edited a little bit, but f- spinoff show, it is as it is. Okay. Um, so we'll finish up with 81 then. Some of the other movies in 81, Graduation Day, uh, Final Exam, Hell Night, uh, uh, Eyes of a Stranger, would, Night School, The Fan. Would you say best. 81 was the best year? Yeah, that was the peak. Yeah. You know, commercially and critically. And then it, it really started to go downhill? A little bit. In 82, um, there's still some decent movies, but by 83, 84, it started uh, waning a little bit. Well, would you say, that when was the gold? So would it be 79 to 81 would be the golden era? 78 to 84 is what I put on this. 78 to 84, golden, got it. Age. Anything after that was just pretty shitty, usually? Not, not, not really. Um, 
like in 85, you still had the Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, but nothing really new. Uh, okay. uh, 86 had a couple I liked, um, Slaughter High and April Fool's Day, and then they had one, Blood Hook, mm-hmm. which isn't that good. It's kind of low budget, but I like the, uh, the theme around it. It's a fishing tournament, and there's somebody uh, stalking down the, the fishermen. <laughs> it's just crazy. That's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but it's compelling to watch. Yeah. What? Um, hey, let's do it like this. So you've, we're done with 81. Yeah. So there's three more years. Yep. Give me like two from each year that really stand out that you wouldn't expect. Okay. So 82, there was one released right in the beginning of the year. It's called, it, it's really underrated. It's called Madman. Okay. And it's rated pretty high. Um, when people rank slashers, they usually put this like in the top 25. Madman? Madman. I've never even heard of this. Yeah, it's um, another, it's kind of like The Burning, kind of like Friday the 13th. Um, group of camp councils are stocked in the woods. An- another one like this? Mm-hmm. Huh. It's actually, it was, it's pretty good. And it's, it's really underrated. A lot of people didn't see it. Um, what's the, um, what's the best kill? Um, well, it's all axe murdering, pretty much. Good old, I feel like axe is one of like the killer is Mad Madman Marks. Okay, He's a legendary axe murderer, like kind of like built up a um like an urban legend. This would be you know this urban legend, and I'm trying to think of uh, I think a kid does something in the movie that kind of irks this guy, and he's like, "Well, I'm going after all the kids now," and he just goes on a rampage. Hmm. Or what's there's, the, a, there's a kill count on, um, on YouTube if you want to check. Oh it out. yeah, that, like I said, when we're done, man, I'm gonna be all over kill count just looking at some of these. I was looking at, um, not to take it too too off point, but I was looking at the maniac kills. Mm-hmm. Those are fucking brutal. Yeah, so that that was one of the most realistic ones. I mean, that's just and that's just like I said earlier, that's just some regular dude going fucking nuts. Yeah, which makes it that much. Scarier. I think it makes it scarier. Yeah. Yeah. The kill count on this was 10, 5, and 5. And, uh, another even, it, like another pretty even uh, one. Even. Oh. So it kind of shoots down the theme that they're only going after women. They're just going after people that make dumb decisions. Yeah. And, and really, with these movies, too, with the final girl, that's usually the, the woman is the strongest one in the in, in the movie. Yeah, usually. She survives, yeah. fights back. Survives. Yeah, she fights back. She's smart, usually. It's usually yeah, the women that are actually the smartest. Mm-hmm. Not all, you know, not always, but like in the, at least the final woman. Right. Well, let's see. Another good one I liked was uh, Hospital Massacre. Hospital Massacre. X-Ray. It had um, the big selling point was, you know who Barbie Benton is? No, who's that? You might want to Google it. Barbie, she, what's her uh, name? Barbie Benton. Okay. She was on the cover of Playboy four times. Oh, okay. So that was the big selling point with this one. It was pretty much just. Is uh, she the lead? She's the lead. Okay. Does um, she does she show her boobies? Yes. Oh wow. Usually the lead doesn't get to show her boobies. Oh yeah. So um she was Hugh Hefner's girlfriend for a while. Did she probably she, he dated she started everybody. On, um, I guess they had a TV show Playboy Playboy After Dark. Uh-huh. And uh she was the host on that, I think, or co host. There was and a TV started, show called Playboy After Dark? Right. It was just, like and it was but, just like a like born basically i don't know oh it's not something i watched as a kid (laughs) grandma uh, wouldn't let you watch that no no um so she started dating hefner around then and i 
thought this was kind of funny, but um, she says to Hefner at first, she goes, I don't know if I really want to date you because I've never dated anyone over 24 before. Mm-hmm. And Hefner retorted, he goes, um, that's all right, neither have I. <laughs> so just wanted to share that with you. I thought you could use that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> what movie, so what movie? Hospital Massacre. There we go. Hospital are. Massacre, also known as X-Ray. Any, uh, is this one just um, in a fucking hospital? Is that the gimmick? Yeah. Um, it starts off, you know, in the past, and there's this uh, boy who likes the Barbie Benton character. Gives mm-hmm. her a Valentine's Day card. And um, she's in there with a friend, and they basically just laugh at the card and laugh at this kid, rip it up. And Harold, the boy, he's out lurking, and he gets enraged by this. So he breaks into the house, and he kills the, the other kid by hanging him on a coat rack. Oh, fucking brutal. That's how it starts off. And then you, you go present time. Um, Barbie Benton's character, Susan, she's divorced, but she has a daughter and a new boyfriend. And it's Valentine's Day, and she has to go to a hospital to pick up some test results. Well, the killer from the past, he's there, and he kills a doctor. He tampers with the paperwork to make it look like there's an issue, so she has to stay overnight for observation. And then from there, he just goes on a killing spree. In the hospital? revenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was pretty much, you know, they're using that same theme from Halloween 2 with the hospital as a setting. Right, right, right. So, 10 kills in this one, 7 males and 3 females. There was, was another it? one also that, like, a couple months later called Visiting Hours. And that was the same sort of thing. That one was actually more gritty, but it was the same thing, a killing spree in a hospital. Huh. had William Shatner in that one. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> William Shatner is mm-hmm. in one of these. Is the is the best kill the coat rat kill? Um, probably the most uh, outrageous or original or what have you. Right, right. So, okay, so in 82, Friday the 13th, Part 3 came out and the mask. Kind of that a little bit. It was in, yeah, played in 3D, so they kind of had that gimmick going. It was a 3D. Oh, stuff's coming at the screen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They started uh, doing that a little bit in the 80s with the horror movies, right? Yeah. They yeah. did that in the 50s. Did they? Oh, yeah. It, it, 3D always, like, like comes mm-hmm. around, goes away, comes around. With Creature of the Black Creature from the Black Lagoon, they had that in 3D. There were a bunch of 3D movies after that, and then it kind of dies off, came back in the 60s, and it always was... You know, keeps making a resurgence. Right. Um, so, yeah, first time Jason has a hockey mask. Um, pretty even kill count on that one. Kill count to 12 and 6 and 6. I wonder sometimes if, I wonder if the people making this, if they were aware of uh, criticism that it's always the women that are getting stocked. And I wonder so then if they, intentionally. Yeah, they gave everyone equal chance? Yeah, I wonder if that's part of it. Yeah. And it was uh, successful. It, $36.7 million on a $2.5 million budget. So it kind of uh, ensured that the franchise would keep going. Yeah, they, and you said they were gonna, they were trying to end it with four? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next year. I've got some other movies in here. Slumber Party Massacre. Um, I think in 82, a lot of movies started going to VHS. Like straight Where to I, VHS? Mm-hmm. Were, you were, seeing, were you seeing those too like, as they came out? Yeah, on HBO or Showtime. Okay. Not. So I've seen a lot of them on cable and a lot of the big, the big ones I've seen at the theater. But there were a lot that never made it to the theater. There's one called Honeymoon Horror, um, the last horror film. There was a Chuck Norris slasher. 
Really? Did, did you know that? Yeah, they no. tried to mix martial arts with uh, <laughs> with the slasher stock and kill. Wait, Chuck Daniela. Norris was in it. He was it. He was he starred in it. He yeah. was the was the killer. No, he was uh, going against the killer. I think. Oh, okay. Called Silent Rage. I vaguely remember it. I, they, they gave the killer some sort of injection, so he became like really super powered. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chuck Norris had to stop him. <laughs> That's hilarious. Let's uh, try going to the next year. We'll talk about some of the other people in in the movies we haven't talked about. Like, yeah. Um, uh, do you know Al Pacino was in a slasher? Really? Yeah. Which slasher? They had. Um, I don't know. I guess you could consider it a uh, slasher because of a lot of killing with knives. It was called Cruising. Okay. From 1980. Is it good? And yeah, it's a pretty decent movie. Actually, it really caused an uproar because. It's uh, about a serial killer that's stalking down gay men in leather bars. Okay. And Al Pacino's a detective. He goes deep undercover, and he has to try to find this guy. Uh-huh. And uh, it really got a, a bashing from the gay community. It felt that it put them in a bad light. Oh, okay. But uh, it was relatively successful. I think it made like $10 million. And you would consider this a slasher film rather than like a, just a detective? More of a detective mystery, but... They, this is considered a slasher. Like I said, I don't always agree with some of the things that are considered slashers. Mm-hmm. Since the killer is a serial killer, he's using a knife. I mean, I think that's really the only connection to a, a slasher. Right. But uh, it's Al Pacino. Yeah. Uh, Charles Bronson was one in one too, uh, 10 to Midnight. Huh. And with that one, that was... Uh, Almost like a Ted Bundy kind of character, a serial killer, and he has to track down the serial killer. Just uh, go ahead. Death Wish meets uh, a slasher film, pretty much. When uh, just just so we have context here, when did Friday the Thirteenth, or not Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street come out? What year was that? Eighty four. Oh, okay, eighty four. So it's still in the golden age. It is. That's yeah, yeah, right near the end. Um, Right. See some other people that were famous um, that we didn't talk about. Uh, Christopher Lloyd. Uh, back from Back to the Future. Oh, no kidding. He what was, was he in, in? He was in a movie called Schizoid in 1980. But he was still in Taxi and whatnot, but I don't think he was really that famous. I, I'm thinking, was Back to the Future the movie that really made him a household name? Yeah, I would say so, right? Well, it was still before he was famous. Well, let's see here. I'm looking at his thing. He was in the National Lampoon's movies. Yeah. But still, not someone you would expect to see in a slasher. No, not at all. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee, she made her fil- film debut debut in Eyes of a Stranger. She was uh, a, a mute, deaf mute, huh. and you know was being stalked. She was the she, final girl. Oh, she's the final girl. I was going to say, does she survive? I'm going to have to watch it and see. But she, she's the final movie. girl. Um, there was a movie called Final Terror, and it was filmed in 81, but it didn't actually get released until 1984 because Daryl Hannah was in it. So this was after, they put it out after Splash because pretty much, you know, the uh, to play up her name, mm-hmm. figure we can make some money off of her name now that she's famous. Who, who else has been? So, is there any other b- big ones? Uh, Kevin Costner was in a uh, a slasher, Shadows Run Black. Oh, Kevin Costner. <laughs> Costner, yep. George Clooney. His second film was uh, Return to Horror High in 1987. That was uh, it was almost like a spoof of slashers. Huh. Um. Kristen Davis from Sex and the City. Uh, also in a slasher. 
Doom Asylum, Brad Pitt. What? Right, yeah. Cutting Class. Not a very good movie. It was from 89. Um, Ant-Man himself, Paul Rudd. Oh, he was in uh, the he Halloween. In, yep. He's the he's, he's Tommy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Lisa Morrison's Hall, Hall Pass. <laughs> Shout out to Lisa Morrison. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if she even listens to this. I don't know but if she listens to the spinoff show. Maybe she'll listen to this one. Maybe. Well, yeah. I think I think we'll get more listeners on this one from the nation just because it's you. Maybe. I hope so. Yeah, it's it's, it's because it's your debut. Have you wait, have you been on a podcast before? Um, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is my debut. Then it. There you go. So, uh, and Charlize Theron, she was in. It's not really a slasher, but side note, she was in Children of the Corn Part Three. Oh, okay. It was yeah, a non-speaking role, but right. uh, it was her film debut. So let's not let, not not people you would think that would be in uh, slashers. Let's let's end it like this. Okay. Your top five slasher films. It doesn't have to be in order. Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but yeah, we got we got we I, we have a horror buff on here. We got to do it. Okay. Um, top five. Halloween's Halloween has to be in there. Um. Mm, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Okay, it's kind of hard because I like them all for one reason or another. Right, um, but ones you'd be like, you get, you should definitely see this if you're a big slasher oh, fan. Okay, Nightmare on Elm Street for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one that's kind of underrated, House on Sorority Row. That was really good. Okay. Um, oh boy, it's kind of hot. One more. Give me. Give me one more. Maybe it's, an under, one underrated. An underrated one. An underrated one. Um, check out the Funhouse. I really the Funhouse. Like yeah. Yeah. The the cover of that's it, real creepy. Like the snaggle really tooth. Well, you know, I'm already forgetting like uh, Terror Trap. That's a uh, tourist trap. Sorry. Tourist trap. Yeah. That's another one that's really underrated. That's worth checking out. Yeah. Um, now I'm going over the five. <laughs> it's really hard because I, I like a lot of these for different reasons. Different reasons. Mm-hmm. Where would you say? Where would you say slasher? The slasher genre in horror ranks for you. Um, I guess it ranks pretty highly. Like I said, it, it, there's a lot of nostalgia tied to it for me. Right. Um, I really like. I was thinking about talking about Universal Monsters with you. Oh, we could do that on another and, show. That yeah. the Universal Monsters is one of my like. I love that shit. That's and I knew you did, but then I'm like, I don't know what kind of audience there is for that. So I figured I'd lean towards the slashers. I knew you were really into those. The slashers is just the easiest one to talk about, just because everyone kind of has some sort of memory of the slashers. Mm-hmm. You know, the horror yeah. icons come out of the slashers. I think that's probably you know my introduction to a lot of monster movies was. Those universal films, mm-hmm. you know, the Frankenstein, Dracula. Wolfman. Looking back, looking back on those, I mean, I remember watching those as a little kid and thinking these aren't scary. They're not scary. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think they were all that scary. I, I remember, well, like, I. Well, but then again, I had the expectation of watching like slasher films and like right. stuff that was around that you know my when I was growing up, and I was like, oh, this doesn't compare. But there is like a. It's fun to watch those old Universal monster films. They're beautifully shot. Way, yeah, very and, beautiful. 
And I Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, the sets on that are just beautiful. Right. Um, I really enjoyed that. Was, that's probably like the gateway, I think, to horror movies for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like uh, kaiju films. Huh? You, you, in so, Chamber of Chills, you'll throw in some kaiju films. Yeah, that I pretty much grew up on, too. On um, Saturdays, they would have creature feature, or sometimes it would be creature double feature. So it would have a lot of uh, the Godzilla on there, and, um, Gamera, Mothra. So you'd see a lot of those on there, plus a lot of the big bug movies like them. Right. So you know, I saw that as a very young kid. I was watching that. Um, and then from there, it would be the slashers. And it just kind of went off from there. Mm-hmm. And you now, you just enjoy all all aspects of horror. I don't know if I'd say all, um, but most, yeah. What, one, more, one, one last question before we wrap up. What, what were your thoughts on the, like the torture porn era of horror? Yeah, I don't really care for it. It's not yeah. really. Like the, I like the slashers more for the cat and mouse suspense. Right. And the, the whodunit. It's suspenseful. Um, and I kind of think things are more scary when you don't see things because you're using your imagination. Right. Or when they're, so, or when it's like almost less is more. Yeah, the, the whole like torture porn era, I, I, I did not like that at all. I mean, some people like it, but I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's just really, like, you're just like, you're just seeing someone get mutilated on screen. That's not, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily suspenseful. It's just like kind of gross out. Yeah. Well, hey, have you ever uh, seen Sleepaway Camp? I have you not. Heard of that one? No, I haven't heard of it. Okay. There's got a couple more movies we'll touch on because this is like, and I don't want to give you the ending, but this has the craziest ending I think of almost any slasher. It just hits you out of the blue. What's it, what's it called? Um, Sleepaway Camp from Sleep. 1983. Okay. <laughs> Sleep. I'll have to, I'll have to look up you, that one. You, you can watch the ending and you'd be like, you know, what's this? <laughs> um, there's a crazy kill in it too, where um, there's one girl that's a bully. This is a summer camp kind of a kind of a situation. Sure. And uh, if you didn't know by the title. Yeah, if you couldn't tell. So Judy the bully, she gets offed by a hot curling iron iron to the crotch. <laughs> I mean, that sounds so, absolutely it, awfully painful, but that's also kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, and if you you know think that's sexist, in Friday the Thirteenth, um, Part Four, the final chapter, you remember the guy gets speared in the groin. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> that's great. It's pretty fair. But yeah, eighty four had. Uh, final chapter in Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. Now, let me uh, give you a link to something. With um, I might find this. In, I don't know if you want to talk about it or if you just want to kind of check it out on your own. Yeah, send it over. What, let me right. add it in the uh, show note right here. Or hit s- send message. Oh, okay. I was gonna. Oh yeah, actually, uh, Facebook it to me. Okay. So we're gonna give me a second. Of Friday the Thirteenth. Well, one of the influences of um, Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, cool. Oh, sorry, Nightmare on the Street. Got it. We're starting got it. to mix together now. We've been talking yeah, it's about all it starting so to mix long. together when we're when you start talking about slasher films. Yeah, send it to me here. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll I'll look at this on my own. Okay. Um, I actually got to wrap up here. All right. But uh, what I usually do at the end of the spinoff show, if you've already listened, you know this, is I let the the guest plug whatever they want to plug. So, Fiddlesticks, okay. thanks okay. for being on, and the show the the floor is yours. 
I'm not one of those celebrities that come on just to plug things. I just came on to talk. <laughs> so, but uh, would... yeah, it, if you enjoy horror films, um, you know, any, anything about horror, you might want to think about checking out my Facebook group. Um, it's a private group, but, uh, you know, I pretty much let anyone in, just answer the three questions and you're, you're in the doors, the chamber of chills. Yep. So check that out. I get a pretty decent group of people in there. It's, it's a good group yeah. of people, and, and Fiddle Six provides more than enough content to... Uh, right. This month, I'm doing a movie a day for the 31 days of uh, Halloween. I'm throwing in Halloween songs in there. I've got vintage pinup girls, Halloween pinup girls, uh, pumpkin carvings, all kinds of fun things. Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, it, if you're a horror fan, you should definitely check it out, because like I said, Fiddlesticks knows his stuff. Well, yeah. Congrats, Anna. Again, you're... Uh, 300 episodes of oh, man. Nerd, the mother yeah. show. And uh, you're doing a great job with the spinoff show, too. Thank you. concerned when you missed a couple of weeks. <laughs> no, it, it, I thought you were running out of guests. You know what? Uh, to, to kind of wrap up on my end, I, I am not, I'm not necessarily running out of guests, but I'm trying to be just making sure I get some good content out there. I don't want to just ask anybody. So I'll keep the spinoff show going as long as I can find some good guests. Yeah, don't give up on it. No, I definitely won't. Definitely I want to start won't. getting into something and then have it end. <laughs> you all, you still got Jock and Nerd as well, so you you won't be able to uh, miss my voice too much. Okay, yeah, it, it's your show's pretty interesting. It's kind of interesting to get to know some of the listeners and and some of the guests you have on there are pretty interesting. Well, now you're a part of it. Thanks for having me on. This is a Danger Entertainment podcast. DangerEntertainment.net, Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Hey, this is Evan. Hey, Jason Underwood. And we hope you're enjoying the shows on the Danger Entertainment Network now, including the Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast. Yeah, we're super thrilled to be a part of this awesome lineup, guys. Um, and what we do here on our show is it's look, we are just trying to make you guys laugh through all kinds of different avenues. Hear me out here. Yeah. Hear me out. Please. What we are is we're two geeky white dudes talking. And trying to be funny. Yeah, not trying to blow in your mind here with, uh, <laughs> with something brand, brand new, new, but... Um, yeah. You never heard anything like this. We talk about Star Wars. <laughs> talk about, we talk about superheroes. Talk about Marvel movies, man. <laughs> Look, we are... We're cutting some damn... We're, we're, we're breaking some damn boundaries over we here. We are. Breaking new ground. Yeah. But for real, what we do is we play invented games. Yeah, and we try to spin everything into a brand new fun game that we've made yeah. up. Um, we filter it all through that sensibility and... We're both improvisers, so a lot of what we talk about ends up in, in, in sort of a scene that we have a lot of fun with. Uh, we talk about our lives, pop culture and movies. We talk about a little bit of everything. So if that's what you like, check us out. Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast on the Danger Entertainment Network. They look like Vikings. Yeah.